think they've got a credibility gap in terms of how they demonstrate their independence. And it'd be really interesting to see what the balance of feedback to the consultation is. I'd be surprised yeah. if it wasn't quite anti. At the moment, yeah. it looks like everyone's sort of doing their own thing, which is yeah. fine. But at some point, that you know, they're going to need to reach some kind of consensus because of the international nature of crypto trading, if they're going to have any impact. What are the FCA going to do to identify these unused permissions? Fraud is notoriously hard to yeah. spot and do something about. It, you know, by definition, it's someone's trying to hide it. What the market needs is confidence. So investors or consumers need confidence that they can, they've got products they trust, products are fair, that there's better, clearer signposting of risk in, in in regard to investments, and as a result, they will invest more. I.e., you know, actually, will regulate these things more tightly, and people will invest more. Hi, and welcome to the Grant Thornton Financial Services Risk and Regulation Unravelled Podcasts. I'm David Murray, and as ever, I'm joined by Gavin Stewart. Say hi, Gavin. Hi there. Um, this is the second second episode of our now long-running regulatory update that we are doing by podcast having originally done these as a monthly webinar um risk and regulation unraveled might be really really hard to say um i can confirm that um but in these podcasts we are attempting to make uh, uh, a, a simpler navigation as we can through the world of regulation um what the regulators in the uk have been up to what the international repercussions of regulators uh, operating globally are um, other news flashes that might have implications for all of us in in the way the regulators work with us uh, moving forward um, and uh, what we can expect to see in in the coming months um, in this summer in this episode we're returning from our summer break so we we had all the stuff I think July 16th was our last uh, our last conversation Gavin um, uh, and we've got lots of things to get into as a result because we've got a few weeks away. Um, but first things first, most importantly, uh, how was your holiday? Um, it was good, although mostly in Yorkshire where it rained a lot um, in the first week, but otherwise was fabulous. Um, and uh, and I've also sneaked across to Paris um, yeah, for a week. Yes. Well, I see from, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it's a podcast if so people can't see you, but you are wearing your yellow vest and <laughs> I think I see a... Uh, a passport sanitaire billboard behind you, something about down with Macron. Is that uh, was that you yeah, on the barricade? Um, I, I did kind of go go past. Well, I saw one on the one demo on a bridge and went past a, a very angry public meeting um, next to the European three by three basketball championships. Oh, okay. Well. Um... Vive la difference. Uh, nothing, uh, nothing quite so animated, I suspect, in the regulatory update we're going to give today. But uh, still, plenty of interest, I think. Um, let's uh, let's 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 start with a roundup of, of, of uh, things that have been going on, um, what the regulators have been saying and doing. Um, although, I, actually, just as a context for that, I think it's probably worth noting that this is the month that the furlough scheme formally ends. Um, the uh, temporary COVID measures that were introduced at various levels for various aspects of um, consumer regulation are pretty much all unwound at this point. Um, so does that mean we don't have to talk about COVID ever again? Um, I business mean, as usual, Gavin. Business as yeah, usual. I know. I mean, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a broken record on this. Um, <laughs> uh, but I kind of, you know, I've always thought the FCA got its 
stuff back to front a little bit and I, and the time when you need to help vulnerable consumers was probably now rather than when the furlough scheme originally kicked in um uh so i am worried about the end of the temporary measures on consumer credit and mortgages um obviously as well as for, as, a, for, as well as the furlough scheme the universal credit uplift ends mm-hmm. um we've also now got the kind of you know the the kind of the all the gas shenanigans. Um, well, yeah, yeah, wrap, wrap that into inflation and cost going of on as well. So, as I say, I, th- I think with the measures ending, I think it'd be really interesting to see how firms are able to cope with the new vulnerable consumer guidance um, that the FCA have brought in. And I, I just don't know the answer. I mean, it may all be plain sailing, um, but it, it, looking from the outside, it, it feels like it's quite a big ask. Yeah, I think the um, uh, I think you're right about the uh, sort of the rubber hitting the road potentially around the FCA's vulnerability guidance, uh, which was produced a- over the course of the last the last year. Um, now I think I think we really get to see that tested potentially. Um, so uh, we will see um, what emerges from that. Um, so last time we were talking, we uh, before the before the break, uh, the FCA business plan had just dropped. Um, yeah. I, I won't sort of reprise uh, that discussion. There is a there is a there is a write up. I'll take on the FCA business plan on on the on the website on grantthornton.com. Yeah, and we spent the last podcast mostly talking about it as well, didn't we? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It does set some of the things though uh, around around transformation and data and and some of the topics we'll talk on later on in this uh, podcast, um, such as the new consumer investment strategy. Um, uh, Kind of draw quite strong threads from what's in the business plan, but I noticed, in, and you you picked this up in one of your um, in one of your posts recently. Um, the FCA's the minutes of the FCA board meeting back in April, which obviously just yeah. published more recently than that, um, had some interesting language around what uh, the budgeting process had been versus what it might be going forward, and 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 the sort of a change in model potentially. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, I've I've talked about this a few times in my posts, but um, essentially, it, it talked about the twenty one twenty two year as being transitional, and then a much more thorough planning process ahead of the twenty two twenty three business plan, which we won't see till next spring. Um, but that that business that planning process will be, um, you know, at full throttle now. Now, um, yeah. And you know, and obviously it's in the middle of the transformation program as well. So it'll be, you know, it's a challenge to see how the two will knit together because the priorities of one, of the priorities of both will be evolving, um, pretty much under their own steam. And how they knit together is tricky. And I mean, without overstating the obvious, because there isn't a bottom line. To what the FCA does, and you're always looking for other ways of measuring whether it works or not. Yeah. But there isn't a bottom line, so you can't do it in kind of, you know, what does this mean for our profitability? Yeah. Um, you have to you have to work it out some other way, and that is, well, com- complicated, but it's also very subjective. Yes, and I know one thing we we talked about before. Um, there's obviously great emphasis. Uh, in the business plan around use of data and how that's going to make the regulator much more effective in terms of identifying your potential harms. Uh, 
but but it, but of course that has also has a potential. In fact, in fact, almost almost a certainty if it's working to flag a lot of a lot of things that need looking at, um, which uh, potentially gets you back straight back to you know needing needing bodies, experienced bodies to sort of work through these uh, work work through these alerts to, to determine whether something needs to, to happen with them. So. You know, it's not necessarily a you know data is data is the secret to a, a more cost-effective regulator. It does, it's not necessarily the I mean, case. The, the two of the most important lines the FCA is going to need to draw, both in its planning process and its transformation work, is one is what when you have all these alerts as to possible things to investigate, where do you set the line below which you're actually not going to do very much, and how do you justify it? Yeah. And then the other one is. You've got 60 odd thousand firms. How many of them are going to have a named supervisor? So how many of them are you actually going to try up front to understand the firm and its business model yeah. as an individual entity yeah. um, rather than have to do it through your know, sector, peer group, you know, subsector yeah. and so on. Um, and it's only going to be, let's say, a couple of hundred. But but how, again, how you draw that line and what you do either side of it is really critical to to the kind of overall success of of, of what you're doing. Um, so there were a number of themes in the business plan, which, which uh, as I said, uh, are starting to starting to manifest in in terms of actually taking action. Uh, one of the uh, things the FCA FCA now published, they they mentioned in the business plan, and now published is um, a consultation on changing decision, internal decision making. Basically, there's a there's a there's a, a, a beast called the Regulatory Decisions Committee, which is which has got um, NEDS on it, uh, where historically, at least, most of the uh, most of the important decisions, the statutory notices, are, is, I think, is a technical term, you know, to, to remove permissions, to to put a, a variation in uh, a voluntary or involuntary variation in place, um, uh, gets gets considered um, and determined based on the executive recommendation. Um, and most of those statutory notice decisions are now going to be dealt with by the executive themselves, and that means the RDC decision. I think yeah, uh, yeah the RDC hangs on to the, you know, do, do we do we do we you know, the sort of the big enforcement type decisions around financial penalties and um, personal penalties, um, but uh, much curtailed otherwise. Um, and I think with a view with a view that they, those rules will be consulted on pretty quickly and coming to come into force uh, in November. That's linked to this concept that the regulator is going to be more agile and make yeah, take more faster. legal risk, test its power. Yeah, <clears throat> um, yeah. I don't know whether we we, we note that. Uh, I think we both we both said things in the past about you yeah. know that's not without risks. I saw I saw today at least one major legal firm has published its response to the consultation. Has broadly opposed, and essentially said its its clients have you know would have trouble believing that the you know the FCA decision makers are going to be independent. Um, yeah. uh, you know, and if you look at the FCA's own website in terms of its justification for having a regulatory decisions committee, which is still up there, um, it talks about you know being separate from the people working on the enforcement case, and clearly. Exco can be separate, but you know the director of enforcement is on Exco. There has to be some risk of. I mean, I assume he'll recuse himself, but there has to be some risk of groupthink. Um, and I, I put it this way: I think it's, I think they've got a credibility gap 
in terms of how they demonstrate their independence. And it'd be really interesting to see what the balance of feedback to the consultation is. I'd be surprised yeah. if it wasn't quite anti. Uh, I would imagine so. Well, well yeah. Other um, on the FCA, obviously, can the FCA executives see the benefit in this? Um, <laughs> I suspect nobody who's going to be on the receiving end would consider it uh, consider it to be beneficial. Um, although maybe it may still be the right thing to do. Um, yeah, I know that 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 taking more legal risk, uh, pushing the boundaries. Uh, I mean, we 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 discussed when we were reading going through the business plan that this might lead to a more a litigious kind of environment, one in which people, uh, firms, might think it's uh, worth pushing back uh, on a regulator that seems determined to, to, to potentially push the boundaries of what, what their powers are. Um, well, we had, I mean, it's just another example. We've discussed sort of recent enforcement cases where um, there's been some uh, criticism of the regulators. Yes. Which is unusual, actually. I mean, it's, it's not happened very often in the no, last that's true. 15 no. years or more. No, we had the foresight. So we talked about the foresight case in the last podcast, when I actually yeah. been part, part of that, where um, where both the PRA and the FCA were uh, taken down a peg or two because of uh, failures in their investigative process, uh, which led to the wrong conclusions. The um, this late this latest example, uh, yeah, Frenchham, Frenchham, yeah, which which is up a tribunal decision. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, because the FCA banned Mr. Frencham for uh, being convicted of, of grooming, online grooming. So clearly nothing, nothing good about this story, but they banned him and he and he appealed on the basis that um, that had nothing to do. This conviction had nothing to do with his professional, uh, his professional uh, um, competence. Um, and, and, you know, the regulator was, was not showing or even suggesting that he was in any way putting anyone at risk through his professional behaviour, um, and uh, the and I, you know for me that's is, is, an, is an interesting an interesting line to walk in terms of uh, you know where is the cutoff between your personal behaviour and 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 your ability to be to be yeah. undertake a regulated activity to be fit. Yeah, and I think. You know, lawyers will dissect this, but from memory, I think that you know the main criticism the upper tribunal had was it was the FCA's disclosure or lack of disclosure in various instances. So mm. it was kind of, you know, they didn't accept all the all the FCA arguments, but they in fact accepted enough of the key ones. But it was more about how yeah. the case was run, and I think yeah, and there was again there was a criticism of I think yeah. relative lack of candor. Yeah, that's right. The uh, the so so the up tribunal upheld the ban, um, primarily on the grounds that um, this is my reading of the case, primarily on the grounds that um, uh, he Frenchham had not disclosed to the FCA that he'd been arrested, that he was remanded in custody, was on trial, etc. Um, uh, and and unless it was uh, you know he was not fit and proper by virtue of the fact he hadn't he hadn't. He hadn't been open with the regulator, but yes, they did go on to the upper tribunal. Went on to criticise the FCA in their own their own disclosures and handling of the case. They've not shown the degree of candour which the tribunal would reasonably expect the authority from the authority. Um, and ironically, the uh, yeah, it's the same failures that the authority maintains was not provided by Mr. Frencham in this case. So, um, so it's a bit of a slap down uh, in terms of process. Um, but. It, but but again, I, you know it, it, that case does raise some interesting issues, which I'm not sure have been entirely resolved in terms of where they, you know, at what at what point the personal, you know, personal matter um, 
becomes a, a fit and proper uh, issue in terms of your ability to do to do your uh, financial services authorised role. But the um, uh, but but I, I think there's probably enough ammunition in there that you know, future recipients of that kind of ban will probably be more than willing to pursue it <laughs> through the legal process, um, given given known weaknesses or apparently known weaknesses in the FCA's process for enforcing on these cases. Yeah, I was interested as well. So there's there's that side of it of of you know, is the process <clears throat> is the process effectively watertight? Mm. Um, you know, and then the other side of it is what's what's really the appetite. So I was quite interested in the SEC suing, threatening to sue Coinbase mm. um, on crypto, and but then over here we've got the FCA saying. Binance is unsupervisable and looking for some kind of um, uh, extension of its powers and scope and so on. But but I can't help thinking that if it was an American regulator, they'd have wheeled out the enforcement tools. Yes, a bit more readily and saying, what can we what can we do to stop this thing that we don't want to happen? Yeah, um, would I make any judgment about the rights and wrongs of it? I, I, I think a US regulator would probably have been more aggressive. Yeah, there's a uh, well, I'm sure, sure they have. History tells us they would have been. Yeah, I, I like that. Uh, the Coinbase spat that was mainly going on on Twitter, though, wasn't it? The CEO of Coinbase was tweeting. I go, one of the one of his tweets was all of these regular all these regulators want to protect their current system, which is mostly constituted of banks and large financial institutions. Not, not pulling any punches there, um, um, but but yes, yeah, I think yes. I saw an FT headline where they backed down now. Coinbase or the SEC? Coinbase. <laughs> yeah. Coinbase abandons lending product after SEC pushback. Yeah, yeah. Which is, um, I, yeah. I mean, we we have we have a hole we have a hole in in. Well, maybe if you're a tech innovator, it's not a hole. It's um, it's uh, it's the way it should be. But uh, on the face of it, we have a big hole around crypto and crypto exchanges. Um, you know, they 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 fall within the money laundering rigs just about. But nothing, there's nothing else really applicable. Yeah, and these things have been deliberately left. You know, by you know by <laughs> Parliament and you know the EU before, but Parliament now. Uh, um, you know, there's a um. You know, I, you could you could argue the FCA could be more aggressive with enforcement, but fundamentally these things aren't within the scope of regulation, and that's a parliamentary decision. So, you know, the regulator can't do can't and nor nor should it probably do very much about that, other than clarify where the boundary is. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know. I mean, isn't isn't the so the Binance uh, announcement, which you know I think is not unreasonable. But I think I think you know given the way. Given the way cryptos work generally, and and that organisation in particular is is pretty hard to pin down. You know where where they operate, what they do, what they do, by making the point that they're essentially unsupervisable. Uh, they are uh, they're, they're flagging again that they don't really have the powers. And I think at some point there'll need to be um, you know regulatory collaboration on this. At the moment, yeah. it looks like everyone's sort of doing their own thing, which is yeah. fine. But at some point. That you know, they're going to need to reach some kind of consensus because of the international nature of crypto trading. If they're going to have any impact, um, 
on you know on the kind of volumes and and the protections around it so crypto is it seems to be a, a, a hole that everyone's now getting excited about but there isn't well, the reality is there's no there's no there's no there's no legislation sitting in draft anywhere to deal with it i know actually i noticed because the Woolard report talked about the buy now pay later and and the you know, extending the regulatory perimeter to address that sector yep. more effectively that's that's not as far as i'm aware yeah i haven't seen anything i mean it's possible we missed it but i haven't seen anything and i think you know the 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 timeline on these things is quite extended so i think we're already probably talking 2024 before anything yeah. comes into effect yes uh by which time i suspect the buy now pay later market will be a you know it's growing pretty yeah. fast um yeah. You know, it will be a lot, lot bigger, um, and you know, you'll have a different set of problems, arguably. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Well, you scale. You could, and you could, you could argue the uh, yeah, consumer finance, particularly at the sort of payday lending end of it, probably went on the same, the same trajectory before, you know, being pulled into the uh, to the FCA's remit. Um, ultimately, at which point, everything blew up a bit. Um, Okay. Oh well, those are the, well, we, well. At least we know we'll have plenty to talk about in 2024. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot happening in 2024. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so one thing that has 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 now got legislative backing and an FCA consultation paper 2128 covering it is the removal of permissions, the the increased power yes. ease with which the FCA can remove unused permissions, and I mean that goes back to the business plan. It even goes back further to the to the the LCF Gloucester, you know, mini bond issues and and, and the sort of recommendations that came out of that uh, out of that inv investigation. Um, so we now have a consultation paper on it. I mean, I, I, essentially, I, I struggle. I've got to say, I struggled a bit with that consultation paper. It's not the biggest consultation paper in the world. It, it basically describes the new powers the FCA will have. So, um, you know, their ability to so, so it describes the process, you know, we'll send you a notice giving you 14 days, you know, yes. sign a 14 day clock before we take away your permission. Uh, you have an opportunty to respond There's a forbearance process. So there's, there's, so there's a descriptive process about how it would work. But what's missing for me there is what are the FCA going to do to identify these unused mm. permissions? Well, uh, I think they'll, they'll have to build some kind of, <clears throat> at some point, presumably as part of their transformation, they'll have to build some kind of system. Um, that flags, you know, that 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 connects it up. Um, yeah. And, and I, you know, bad as LCF was, I'm a bit skeptical that um, unused unused permissions is really the biggest thing out there. Um, in terms of you know <laughs> risks to the FCA's objectives. Um, so I think it's really interesting how because it's in the report and clearly it was contributory to the LCF debacle um, because it was in the report it's automatically up the top of you know do, do we, this isn't just the FCA so TSC agenda and consequently yeah. it has to be at the top of the FCA's I mean it was you know they didn't have much choice really um, but but you know I think overall it, it's going to push other things down the list of priorities yeah yeah yeah, no, I agree. I mean, and, and then LCF, it was, yeah, I mean, it was, it was present there because you essentially had a, a firm that was doing next to no regulated activity, but but got to stick yeah. a, all sized by the FCA 
And I just don't know how many other firms like that are genuinely <clears throat> out there. Mm, yeah. I mean, that for me is the question. I mean, it might it might be there are enough to justify it all, but I just don't know the answer. Yeah, yeah. But but going after maybe one or two unused permissions on a on a big FS firm that's you know regulated under you know a proper <laughs> proper firm that, that does a whole load of regulated activity. You know, what, what's the what's the, some pretty marginal gains I would think in terms of in terms of making the world a safer place to be. Okay, so uh, yes, I, but yes, I but I agree with you. I, you know, I, I think I think the the consultation paper is fine as to process, but it, it 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 doesn't give us any sense of what the FCA is going to have to build to to actually be able to do. There's, there's always, I mean, it's a general thing with regulation. There's always a slight sense of fighting the previous war. Mm. Always. Um, actually, you, you mentioned. Uh, well, we both mentioned LCF and and the the TSC. Uh, investigation of Gloucester report. Yeah. So, but I think I think I think we can now say after talking for, about it for for months and months that it's kind of it's formally over, isn't it? I mean, we've had yeah, that's that's called over. Yeah, TSC's reported, Treasury and the FCA both given their formal written responses, which basically seem to say, "Don't worry, we've got it all under control, but we'll fix it." Yeah, so I think we we can probably put that to one side and stop. With so I think it's only just very quickly just worth saying that the Treasury essentially said we don't want to give the FCA any more perimeter powers. We just put this new perimeter arrangement in place. Um, we're happy with that. Fine, it's only just been in place, but it is unproven. So I, I'd have preferred it if they'd left the door open. Yeah. Um, and then they relied also on the Home Office's fraud action plan. Um, and you know, there's been a lot of attempts to deal with um, to try and you know minimise fraud over the years, and uh, I, I think I think a certain degree of scepticism is probably warranted. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, so the FCA, surprised by the problem was fixed. Put it like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know when the NFCA's own response actually on that subject of fraud prevention, um, they talked. Uh, they used language about about it, you know there's still a, a big a big investment to make on their part significant time to operationalize yeah. what they need to do to be able to do something meaningful on forward, forward prevention um clearly they're on the they're on the hook for trying to do something yeah, they will actually do something i think the question is how <clears throat> effective these things are fraud is notoriously hard to yeah. spot and do something about it you know by definition it's someone's trying to hide it yeah absolutely absolutely yes yeah um actually yeah the TSC and FCA just just entered a little bit of correspondence, didn't they? Uh, we saw yesterday, I think, around um, frozen accounts, frozen bank accounts. I think they yeah, based yes, on press reports uh, around West. Yeah, it was actually back end of July they had the exchange of letters, but I wrote about it today. Um, and yeah, they had the exchange of letters with <laughs> TSC had you know seen instances, partly in the media, of frozen bank accounts, and was also following up. Um, and wanted to know what was going on and was following up on, um, I guess, uh, locked de-risking of, of kind of groups of accounts and linking both of them a bit more implicitly, but, but linking both of them to vulnerable customers. And it just felt like, you know, the application of the money laundering regs was potentially getting tangled up with vulnerable customer uh considerations um 
it's hard to tell from from what's out there. But but if they are getting tangled up, then I think that's a problem for everyone involved. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I thought we would uh, spend a few minutes, if that's okay with you, Gavin, talking about the consumer investment strategy. Yes. Uh, that the FCA published in the last week or so, because it, 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 it's significant in its own right in terms of what it might lead to from a regulatory change point of view. I think it's also significant in terms of um, just the, the style of, 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 of how it's presented mm. and some of the attributes, for instance, some quite specific targets that have been that have been thrown into it. Uh, so as a, as a process, I think it's, it's interesting, but and, and the content as well. Um, so for those who don't know, the FCA have put up web pages um, set out um, its analysis of issues within the consumer investment space um, and uh, articulating both its short-term and, and long-term responses or, or views on what it, on what it should do. Um, it, it's, it's sort of a it's a bit of a market study in brief, I think, in a way. I mean, for those for those that remember the big market study documents that used to land, huge documents with loads and loads of data, loads and loads of analytics, and then and then some sort of root cause analysis around um, whether the market for whatever was was working effectively or not. It, it feels a bit like that, albeit in, in shorter form. So so it, it flags it flags issues like the advice gap. So it gives data yep. and, and analysis that suggests that. Uh, you know, a big, a big chunk of people with more than 10 grand in investable assets are, sit, are, are sitting with it in cash. I, they're not investing it. But most of them are not accessing financial advice. 75% of them or something are not investing but accessing financial advice. Um, um, and, uh, you know, having money sitting in cash is probably not the best thing for these people in all cases. And and uh, how can the, so, so closing the advice gap or make, making advice processes or products uh, that, that can make it easier and safer for people like that to invest um, is, is one of the sort of the, the gaps, the harms that, that they identify. There are similar harms or other harms they, they pick up on around um, the, the, the flagging of high risk investments or so the, yeah. the financial promotion side of investments. Is it is it high risk or is it mainstream? Consumer strategy and um, uh, and and various other aspects that that they diagnose as needing fixing. Um, the I, I said there's there's targets. Um, there is there are a number of quite specific and, and the business plan did reference that they would be setting out targets. I think Charles Randall's given speeches around around yes. this as well. So um, so we actually have targets uh, going back to. You know things like I think the, the most one that's been got the highest profile reception-wise uh, is is the um, they've got a target in there for financial services compensation schemes and this is the mis-selling aspect of consumer investments and uh, and uh, the target I believe the initial target was set out as sort of to move towards a sort of ten percent reduction in FSCS costs which obviously have to be funded by the industry uh, before that was corrected. Um, which I, I think was, a, was an interesting, uh, um, interesting. What is it now? Sorry. What is it now? Uh, to stabilise over the next five years, to stabilise the. Um, I'm going to say it sounded brave. Yeah. <laughs> when I first read it. To stabilise. Uh, stabilise by tw uh, between now and 2025, and between 2025 and 2030, to have a year-on-year -year reduction. But no. Also brave. 
yeah, you're quite given that's never been the case before. <clears throat> um, uh, but that's just an example. There, there are a number of um, there are a number of uh, other ones. They've got they've got, for instance, they've actually got a um, you know, reducing uh, losses from investment fraud caused by investment fraud by uh, for, well from the from the current level of five hundred sixty nine million pounds. Apparently, they calculated so so through sort of year on year reduction on that. Um, so, uh, 20% reduction in the number of customers who've got 10 grand or more sitting in bank accounts. So those, those kind of things are quite, on the face of it, should be measurable, um, outcomes. Um, but in terms, in terms of what the consumer investment strategy is actually saying the FCA are going to do, this is why I find it got really interesting. Um, because, so having identified the advice gap, most of what it says the FCA are going to do are, are things like um, well, we'll put it this way: they're 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 not they're not a rolling back of the uh, regulatory uh, rules to make it easier to give advice. They are things like the consumer duty, which, when applied by firms, will yes. cause them to produce more relevant, make available more relevant products for, so for consumers. Of, of course, there are. I mean, I'm a bit more neutral on this, but there are. There are quite a lot of people who'd argue that the advice gap was partly created or stimulated by the retail distribution review, which is yeah. of course is where they get the numbers from, which ban commissions. Yeah. And at the time led to a number of mainstream banks withdrawing effectively from the mass advice market. Yeah. Um, because it wasn't worth their while. And also I think it's probably fair to say that consumers were happier paying commission in principle that they were paying an upfront fee yeah um even though they were you know the, yeah the, even though the, the intellectual arguments were, as a result yeah and yes, yes um so it, it's it's not an easy one to close put it like no no i mean the the, the so the strategy seems to suggest to me that you know what what the what the market needs is confidence. So investors or consumers need confidence that they can they've got products they trust, products are fair, that there there's better clearer signposting of risk in 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 regard to investments, and as a result they will invest more. I.e., you know, actually will regulate these things more tightly, and people will invest more. Um, uh, and the advice gap will somehow close in the I, mean, I think it's a really important area, and I'm I'm really pleased the FCA is having a real go at it. But but I, I think it will be you know it's going to be very hard yards. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and there's been lots of attempts before that have been let's say patchy in terms of their success rate. Um, and it's you know it's it's going to be really difficult to get this right. Yeah. Um, and we you know we talked about crypto earlier, and obviously that's where there's quite a lot of inverted commas retail investment going on there which isn't remotely covered so yeah well actually one of the data points they they put into the consumer investment strategy was that that were younger people were twice as likely to have invested in high risk investments yeah uh, their definition of it uh, as adults uh i think they're adults as well sorry i think they're adults as well the young people. Oh, sorry. As, as adults, you're quite right. I apologise. Apologise. I'm a long way from being a younger person these days. Uh, you're right. It's, yes, compared to the, the 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 average of all adults, younger adults were twice as likely to invest in high-risk products. Although that's not surprising, is they're the ones sitting on Bitcoin and uh, 
Dogecoin and all that kind of thing. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm not sure that's necessarily a, a bad thing in its own right. That's one of the joys of being young, isn't it? Making mistakes like that. Um, anyway, but there is, there is, there is, there are, there are, so what are they going to be doing? They're going to be bringing forth proposals, a consultation to come on tight, tighter financial promotion rules, which, you know, making it clearer to be determined, you know, watch, watch, watch this space for the detail, you know, what's a high risk investment versus what is a mainstream investment? I mean, that's going to be, that's going to be a hard, hard one and we've seen yeah, that there'll be lots of innovation around that particular bind yeah. i suspect exactly exactly if you you know you can design a product to fit within a <laughs> fit within the mainstream wrapper but maybe with some features that that make it a little higher risk we'll see um they're gonna go they, they're gonna go after they said so they, they they identified the you know the, the redress issues are like twice as high in appointed representative networks as they are or from a monetary compensation perspective than they are in sort of directly uh, direct, uh, directly owned uh, advice uh, businesses. So uh, so they're going to toughen up their IRC. I think, um, I think doing the, what we call it, the air traffic control on all these different <clears throat> initiatives and programs around, you know, consumer duty, vulnerable customers, consumer investment strategy, the wider consumer strategy we're, published, we're promised in the new year, that air traffic control bit, so they all fit together, is actually going to be really important to get right, because um, there is history of the, of each of these things kind of applying their own furrow. Yeah, we are we are definitely seeing a new agenda being set here. There's, um, as I say, there's several there's several several things they've said now they're going to consult on um, yeah. in the IAR stuff, including. Potentially, although they they don't necessarily commit to do it definitively, um, higher capital requirements for advice businesses. Um, so we get if you know, uh, we're getting the investment firm prudential rules coming into force for um, Mifid investment firms at the moment, but most most uh, most advisors Article Three Mifid exempt will sit outside that. So yeah. I think I know we've talked about it before. We're waiting for the consumer the next consumer yeah. duty CP. Yeah. But I think the cost benefit around a lot of this will be quite interesting and I I could see if it's not convincing, I could see quite a lot of, you know, cost of regulation type pressure building up in the industry because yeah. if it doesn't all fit together and the arguments aren't tight on the CBA front, then then actually I think it potentially it potentially gets a bit a bit rougher. Yes, yes. It's fair to say that you know that's a consumer duty. You know, consumer investment strategies are essentially a discussion. What amounts to a discussion paper online, um, and you know we'll have to have detailed proposals and, and a detailed rationale. You would think for all of these potential changes um, in due course. One of the harms, not surprisingly, talked about is is the scams and investment fraud. And we mentioned there's a target to see that see losses from investment frauds reduced from their current level. Um, and and sort of one of the things they talk about there is well, they're going to make, make better use of data as a as a shocker. So I didn't see that one coming. Um, uh, and they're going to spend eleven million pounds on a, a on a campaign, a market a media type campaign. Um, which uh, which is is not the biggest amount of money. I mean, but no, it doesn't feel like very much. I, I, as you know, I'm always skeptical as to who, you know, how many of the target audience really go and look at the FCA website. People were kind of split on whether they liked it or not. But I think the kind of you know the animated 
Arnie Schwarzenegger was far and away the most um, effective campaign I think the regulators ever done. Significantly paid for by the industry yeah. because it was to clear to kind of close yeah. down the PPI yeah. um, hole. Uh, but 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 you know if if you're really trying to change behaviour, I think that's the sort of scale you're you're talking yeah. about. And I think the you're never going to get that out of an FCA budget. No, 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 somewhere no. else. No, that's absolutely true. I mean, eleven million is not much money, but they you know, they just can't they won't have much money to spend on this full full stop. Will yeah. Okay. All right. So that's enough on the um, consumer investment strategy. I think, as I say, I think it's interesting. It'd be interesting to see, amongst other things, in years to come, whether we, uh, whether that, well, whether whether those targets are achieved, um, whether or not they're scrubbed from the website. <laughs> um, call me a cynic. Um, uh, Just before uh, we move on, I think yeah. the other thing on fraud and scams and so on is that it's very easy to forget. You know, you've got criminals on the other end of this, who are who are you know, cleverly and very actively trying to avoid anything, you know, being affected by anything you do to try and stop them. Yeah. So it's it's not like it's even less in your control than the normal reg other regulatory issues. And so it's a real this is a real battle. It's not a you know it's not like we'll put some rules in place and people will follow them by and large or no, do their best to. This is a yeah. this is a genuine battle against criminals. Yeah, yeah, they're not. So yeah. it's it's quite different. From these, other are not, stuff. these are not people that are going to have a conduct committee and carefully analyze the consumer duty <laughs> requirements. Um, okay, let's uh, let let's do a quick, the quick quick roundup before we finish of other a few other things. So uh, the PRA. Bank of England is, is clearly losing its patience, I think it'd be fair to say, in relation to regulatory reporting, credential yep. reporting, having written written a dear CEO letter that basically calls out calls out the, the banking sector for you know poor governance and ownership of I think it's the first time either they've uh, No, no, well, we had like a, we had a spate of skilled person reviews, yeah. and actually I think this this letter is probably the culmination of the, the feedback from those reviews um, and and the letter finishes up by saying and by the way we're probably going to need to do more that's <laughs> more skilled person reviews because you're not paying attention um, maybe enforcement I think even got a mention as a as a, as a potential threat so uh, so yeah it's a pretty it, 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 it indicates the the Bank of England doesn't think the industry has come on nearly as far as they would like clearly not no um, we had uh, and as I, you know the, the the report, the lawyers, Credit Suisse commissioned a firm of lawyers to do a report on the R failures that led to the R R Chagos, Chagos yeah. um, hole. Um, um, and you know, I, I see this. It's, 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 I don't want to read too much into this necessarily, although it will be interesting to see how um, how this all sort of feeds into the thinking of international regulators. Um, for those that haven't looked at it, oh, this is quite a lot in there. Um, but it, you know, it, 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 it's 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 quite a lot of focus on on what we with these in the UK we call a sort of line one and a half risk function, so the first line risk function, um, and whether it was effective. So you know, it was too junior. It was being run by someone who was a former marketing executive. Uh, it was being treated as uh, by the traders as a sort of uh, well, they'll, they'll, if, if there's too much risk, they'll tell us about it. We don't need to. We, we the traders don't need to worry about it. So um, yeah, I mean. Arguably, a sort of 
textbook example of sort of line one and a half not not really doing and I, th I think you know i think all regulators across the world will be trying to work out whether this is a one-off yeah um whether it was specific to the firm whether other firms were were near misses or whether actually you know in this respect credit suisse was an outlier yeah yeah um uh we will in terms of things we might be talking about next month um we are expecting any time the second consultation paper on the consumer duty as you mentioned um, that's before christmas so uh, my, my my guess is my, my guess is mid-december no you're, you're um, right then okay i might take um, that i think i think government's um the treasury's detailed consultation proposals on the future regulatory framework um any day now i think okay from what um, people tell me not too far behind that we're expecting the latest iteration i think of the regulatory initiatives grid the uh, yep. a sort of combined bank of england PLA, fca this is all the regulatory change that we're working on and and the time scale um uh, I, mean, I suspect there might be some kind of um well there will be some kind of flurry around um climate risk and cop 26 Oh yes, of course. Cop Although, is how much again. is you know how much is noise and how much is signal? We'll we'll have to have a think about. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, yeah. Well, let's, we won't get into climate change regulation now, but a lot, a lot, a lot's been said. I guess potentially a, a lot is now going to start to happen. Um, there's certainly a certainly the potential for that. Um, and uh, if there are going to be some grand announcements, you'd think COP26 or shortly before would be the time when it's, it was happening. Okay. Um, okay, so so hopefully we'll have a few things to talk about next 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 month as well. Uh, even if it's not the consumer uh, consumer uh, duty uh, CP. Uh, I'm looking forward to the cost benefit analysis of that one. Um, we will close now. Thank you, Gavin. Um, for those that are interested in finding out more, we have uh, online uh, the summary we've done of the FCA business plan. Also our financial services regulatory handbook, which uh, basically um, summarizes across all of the FS sector, the uh, forthcoming regulatory developments um, uh, and gives some insight to, to, to what, what will be going on and what will be happening and when. Um, you can also sign up, I think, on our website to the financial services regulatory newsletter, which will give you weekly updates on regulatory developments, as well as invites to some of the other sessions we we run some of the other events we run um i believe i'm told this podcast is now available and will be available moving forward on apple spotify google podcasts and amazon music um which is incredibly impressive um so you should be able to subscribe to us if you like what you heard and and don't want to miss us next time around um yeah, that's a pretty good list, isn't it, uh, Gavin? What's left? TikTok and OnlyFans, I think. Uh, we'll have to work on those. Um, thank you again for uh, sticking with this audience. Um, and hopefully you'll join us next month to talk some more about uh, regulatory developments we're all enjoying. Thank you. <laughs>